And it's like, dude, you have zero context for where this swing has come from or where it's going. You know nothing about how this kid learns. You have know nothing about his ability to feel, function, shot, shape, whatever. Like, you just didn't like the look of it. So they changed his grip. And he's like, man, I've struggled with hooking it. I was like, well, duh, you're going to hook it with that grip. There's no rules. Shoot a score. There's one rule. Welcome back to Inside the Persimmon Pub here at Franklin Bridge, and warmer weather is on the way. Man, we got, we, got, we, we gonna have a little cold dip first, but... A little cold dip. Well, we got a cold dip here coming up on Saturday. We're recording this on, on March 9th, so getting a little cold right off the rip, but um, hopefully we, we, we got a full week of the 70s, which was nice. It was really kind of like yeah, a... Yeah, really good. I got really tan that week. <laughs> I saw a, uh, a graphic on socials, and it was like... Uh, Tennessee doesn't have four seasons. It's got like nine, and it's like <laughs> yeah. uh, winter, and then it's like a fake spring, and then it goes back into winter, early spring, and then like a week of in the forties, and then you know we might actually finally get some spring weather here in late April, maybe early May. But golfing season is getting back. It's getting baby. started. It's getting started. Um, it's you know we had the Arnold Palmer Invitational just this last week and boy they made that thing hard oh yeah Goodness i love gracious. that they made it difficult too uh, there's you know seeing a lot of complaining from these guys i'm just back to this idea of you know i know this isn't our topic but like there's so much whining like they need to do something about this and like what you guys can't handle shooting over par just because yeah. it's not laid out the way you want to lay out like you don't walk like using the analogy i talk about in my first book like the player is the offensive player 100% of the time. The golf course is the defensive player 100% of the time. Like, if I'm uh, if I'm Florida going to play Alabama in football, I don't like walk up and go, hey, hey, uh, can you guys like not run that kind of defense for right. us? Like, you don't get you don't get to decide that. No. Like, you got to figure out how to play with all of that in front of you. Now, maybe that doesn't suit your current style of play. Well, then if they start making more golf courses like that, if you want to win those tournaments or make the cut in those tournaments, you need to change what you do. Like, I what What do you mean they made it hard? Oh, I'm sorry. Like, I don't feel bad. Like, if you have gotten as good as you've gotten, there's no reason they can't make the courses as hard as they need to to play against old man par. Well, I think that's also why we love watching the US Open, too. Yeah. Just because you got to play golf in order to to win that tournament and uh i think you know it's debatably it's not fun watching these guys shoot like 20 30 under par in a weekend i mean why can't we why can't we make the course give the course a little bit more grace because at the end of the day they're just traveling to another course a couple states over shooting the same scores and it doesn't make the courses shine if that makes any sense Ooh, i like that it doesn't let the courses shine yeah. to what they were actually intended for and built for yeah it would it would be nice to see this like fluctuating of like the obviously the majors are really hard but i would like to see more courses play even harder like the arnold palmer played this week tpc will be probably fairly mediocre for the most part but like it it would be cool to see a 20 something under par in maybe maybe one of any year you know like hey let's just give him one that's just like an easy blitz and like and make it be the the hawaii tournaments of the first right. of the year you know yeah, like something fun to get people excited about the game exactly and then you and have honestly, most of them i would love most tournaments to finish like winner doesn't get past 10 under yeah yeah I like because the too. because the end of the tournament gets really exciting 
because when it's fairly simple across the board, you don't see as much fluctuation. Now, you do see guys drop off from the top if they're playing well and they're maybe new up at the top. But, like, the shakeup this weekend at the Arnold Palmer, it was like, well, what's happening in the final round? You have guys dropping off everywhere, and all of a sudden these guys that were four, five, six, seven shots back are now all of a sudden within one or two shots, and you're going, what just happened? Like, that makes it so much more, th- like, you want to tune in and go, like, who's going to make a birdie to sneak in and win this thing out of nowhere? Who's going to make the four bogeys or throw a double or a triple? Like, it makes it more relatable, too. Like, when they're trying to play against par, actually par, not, like, four under, like, it's, I don't know, it's just more exciting. I think the game is challenged, and I think, in some ways, in the long run, it makes players better because they're forced to do things they wouldn't normally do or play in a way they wouldn't normally play. I completely agree. I think that that's what makes, in, in some ways, that's what's what makes the Masters so much fun to watch too, just because that course will not compromise on the layout and how they keep it and the difficulty of the course, mm. just the way that it was designed. Yeah. I think that's what makes the Masters the Masters and why everybody loves it so much. Um, you know, obviously there's other factors at play other than the other than the, the, the course, right? But at the same time, yeah, just why can't we make more tournaments like that? Doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, uh, you know, I think there was for a while this idea of like records getting broken looks good. And I don't even know that it was an intentional thought, right? You know, and it's like then all of a sudden it seemed to get away from them where they're just shooting 16 under for like every tournament win and you're just going... Is that is that really what we want to do? Like, I mean, it's cool to see records be broken. I love records being broken, but like tournaments used to be won at like even par. Mm, yeah, one under. Make winning scores even par again. Yeah, like <laughs> right. <laughs> we should get a hat that says that. Make uh, yeah, we should definitely do a hat like that. Well, Scott, so, what are we what are we talking about? The so, main point of this podcast. So, um, one of the things I want to get into a little bit this season, if you're a listener, I think you're really going to enjoy this part. Um, is I want to get into the swing a little bit. I know it's something we've tried to avoid some, um, and it's still not going to be the dominating conversation of the podcast. Um, well, we have and we haven't too, right? Because we've talked a lot about everybody's unique swing, and, and especially, yeah. I mean, dude, we've shot a hundred and. 120 episodes together i mean we've talked about the golf swing and we've talked about uh the fact that building this picturesque golf swing doesn't necessarily translate to to lower scores right and so um i'll i'll kind of let you dive into where you want to go with this but all i want to say here is that every golf swing is unique and just because one might be frowned upon from the majority of golf professionals doesn't mean that same swing can't shoot lower scores yeah and um and can't win you know, whatever winning means, right? Like, um, that could be, you know, somebody who's a senior golfer that's just trying to break 80 or break 90. That could be somebody that's trying to play professionally uh, or at the college level, whatever that may be. But um, so this um, this first one that I really want to do and cover here, and um, we're also going to try and make them a little shorter. So that way, you know, something more engaging, a little quicker, a little grab onto it, in and out. Um the title of this one is I have it currently set. We don't, I don't know exactly how we'll title it when it goes out, but is the, the golf swing aesthetics or function. And then kind of a subtitle under that is to how to know you're swinging correctly. Like, am I just trying to make something look better or 
is changing that thing actually going to make me better? Um, and to kind of start into that a little bit is, um, I one of my junior golfers, I won't mention his name. Um, Erica got to play with him today. Um, he actually had his golf coach, high school golf coach, uh, who teaches some, but isn't a qualified instructor over time said like, Hey, you need to change your grip. Like, Hey, your left hand grip is too weak. And it's like, dude, you have zero context for where this swing has come from or where it's going. You know nothing about how this kid learns. You have know nothing about his ability to feel, function, shot, shape, whatever. Like, you just didn't like the look of it. So they changed his grip. And he's like, man, I've struggled with hooking it. I was like, well, duh, you're going to hook it with that grip based on the swing I'm trying to get you to build. And if you make, like, by changing that grip, his whole golf swing has to go completely in another direction than where I'm taking it. And so we worked that back in the lesson to where it needs to be, where he had it. I, I've known it's weak since we started a year ago. Like, don't change that. I have a very specific directive that I am trying to get to. And he's been absolutely striping it. The kid played lights out today. What I, it's ap- cool to see. What I appreciate about the way <sighs> that you teach is that you teach to that person's individual feels. Yeah. And I think there, there's always this moment, especially when I don't warm up, when, like, let's say I get on the course and I hit a few shots. And I'm like, I just feel like none of my muscles are talking to each other in sync, Ooh, right? And I so like uh, where I'm going with this is that I think if you take somebody and try and teach them a picturesque golf swing, you end up making them... Uh, unaware of where their body is at any any point in time because it's not natural to them so right we were out and uh, i was shadowing a lesson that you were giving and i was i was talking to you, i was like man he needs to stand further away from this golf oh, ball yeah i know who you're talking about yeah I, he needs to stand further away from this golf ball and you're like just he's like all right why do you, you said why do you say that or like why do you want to why do you want to change that right now and i was like well he just needs to stand further away and i think you would agree and you're like yeah but watch this and you like gave him some like one little thing that was not related to how close he was standing to the golf ball, and eventually his body indirectly backed him up. Correct. And so I think what so many people are trying to change in these picturesque golf swings is is just build them perfect to say that like, well, I gave you the swing that you're supposed to do to shoot lower scores, but that doesn't actually translate when they're out there on the course Correct. trying to shoot their PR, for Correct. example. Correct. Correct. And <clears throat> that's a really cool – so there's two things in that that I think we need to pull out. One is, like, when you change one thing, you inevitably change literally dozens of others. The question is, not only that those others change, but when those others change, where do those others change lead in one month, in three months, in six months, in two years, in ten years? Like – can you translate that out that far? It's just like a game of chess, except it's way more complex than chess. It's like in chess, this one move, that's why they have certain openings and certain closings. Like when I make this move or I show this opening, that says to my opponent certain things. So when I do that, like there's a there's a play to these elements and they interact with each other the entire time. Yeah, well, that move that I made in the opening of the game doesn't really matter that much. Are you kidding me? It matters a ton. And so if you don't understand the connection to the larger whole, which most people don't, then you're going to, you might get lucky and end up with something that works for a little while, but for the most part, it doesn't get 
get you there long term. Or you can get to a certain level, but you can't get any further. And so <clears throat> that's one is you affect multiple others. And so like I saw what you saw, but I was waiting like the I wasn't gonna add to the list either. Like if he if his body naturally backs away from it, then I don't have to teach that. He just becomes an athlete and falls into line with what I'm trying to get to do, and that's kind of where some of the fun happens. I feel like it makes the swing, I mean, for lack of a better word, bulletproof, more bulletproof than one that is taught that's picturesque, right? Because I feel like you're allowing your body to naturally do the things it's supposed to rather than have something that's super technical and then realize down the road that, like, dang, (laughs) I forgot how my wrist is supposed to move compared to my knees and like my shoulder rotation and right. all that kind of stuff where I feel like when I go out and play because of the way you've taught me, I'm just able to see what I'm going to do and hopefully execute on it. Yeah. The, the second line in there, um, is something that's really hard to describe. and I'm going to do my best to describe it here is there is what I call dominant habits and non-dominant habits. Uh, it's still kind of an over oversimplification, but I think it's the best way to understand it as I can currently describe it. But when, <clears throat> when you go to swing a golf club, there are certain things that are easy for your body to do that, uh, I, regardless of whether that you think they'll make you better or not, like they're just things that are easy for your body to do that your body wants to do that are natural. Sometimes those things are good to keep, and sometimes they're not. Um, but um, in that, if they are good to keep, let's keep them. If they're not, we might need to replace them. But that's why I ask, like, what sports have you played? That tells me a little bit about how you move and function. Oh, yeah. That's how we can – so when I talk about dominant habits, that's why the the days we've stood out there and, like – you know, hey, Scott, what's this golf swing going to look like? You know, watching guys walk off a green, I can tell you what their swing is going to look like because I have a lot of experience. But how they're moving just in their interacting and putting their club in their bag to how they sit down to how they walk, like their body is going to move in certain ways. And if you don't build the golf swing around that, you might make the swing look better. But under pressure, that isn't going to stay. So take me Something through. else is going to stay. Take me through what you might see in me, the way I walk, the way I move, and what my dominant habits are based on how you view me. Uh, So a lot of baseball players tend to be a little over the top because it's a lot easier to hit a home run that's pulled into left field if I get my lefts and rights correct. As a righty. I I used to get that so mixed up when I was like, like, wait, is it from the pitcher's point of view or is it from the batter's <laughs> point of view? Um, but, like, that is generally a more powerful movement. Now, if you've done that for a long time and that's where you hit your home runs to, you're going to exhibit general over-the-top type patterns. It's probably why I prefer a draw over a fade, too. Yes and no. That depends on how good your hands are. Fair. So, if Which is another baseball trait. I feel like baseball players normally have great hands as well. Correct, especially the pitchers. Guys that didn't pitch much, so like a lot of first basemen tend to not be as as good at 
their hand and eye awareness isn't as high as like a pitcher. Mm. Um, same with outfielders. I feel like they're outfielders. Not, they're is not as they're not as refined in their throwing. Like sure. it's a little more refined on the infield and being able to place those like those quick, you know, uh, uh, what am I double plays? Yeah, like those quick double plays. Like you can't just that throw has to be in a very specific spot in order for that double play to work mm. quite well. So that's a little more refined. So their hand awareness tends to be higher. Mm. Pitchers, their hand awareness is the highest of the bunch. So like a pitcher, sometimes I can just give them a cue on one finger, like, hey, this is where that feel needs to fit for you. And they, they got it. So it's fairly easy for you to want to do that. Um, now, we've moved you to less of a pull draw over time and we will continue to move that although that's a very easy movement for you to make it also means with that slight pull that you can be a player who can move the ball both ways over time because it's subtle enough but you're we did a lot of that work last week too tons of that work as far as just shaping shots into certain locations that's the next tier for you not everybody can shape shots um but you have enough awareness there you're always going to be a little a little pulley um you have a lot of wrist movement in your golf swing, and you will always have a lot of wrist movement. My job is just to minimize the damaging effects of that, and that's really all we've done. Um, so for your golf swing, it's always going to be a little pulley, but the pull draw helps move you towards a less pull over time. Gotcha. So like by changing that one, getting you to draw it a little bit, that inherently starts to get the athlete in you to kick in that's going to slowly move the path. And you've gotten, before we even started mentioning being a little more into out, a little less over the top, you started moving in that direction as an athlete. So I let the athlete kick in rather than having to teach you another element. And there's just too many. If you do the, if I pick the right thing, it will change another dozen or more for the better. And over time, they will work themselves out, which is the best way to teach and the best way to learn. It's the most complex athletic movement there is. And you were telling me too. We were out on um, we were out on hole number four here at Franklin Bridge, and just watching a few players oh, yeah. come in, <laughs> and uh, it was crazy. You got every single one of their golf swings just right um, as far as what they did compared to how they walked. You're like, man, this guy's walking with you know maybe a, a slight limp in your left knee. I bet his swing will look like X because of this. Yeah. And some guys, you were just like, I don't know what I saw, but I got it right. Yeah, I was it's like, uh, it looks like it's going to be like this. Yeah, it's just interesting to see how you view other people's golf swings and really kind of the benefit of that right. hidden talent, well, I and, guess. And being able to see that, like, I, if you had asked me that five years ago, there's no chance I could have done what I did. And so it's it's through the time of seeing, you know, millions of golf swings over 10 years with good training at the same time to be able to learn how to look at the right things. And, um, it's, it's uh, like when I see that, I have to see that on purpose. Right. Like when people are driving up in the cart to come back for the lesson, I'm seeing how they're sitting, how they're moving in the cart. I watch how they stand when they get out. Sometimes I look at that more intentional. Other times I just kind of see it. Um, and so, that's when I know where to where to move. Um, and to kind of bring Erica in on this podcast a little bit. Um, on this one, or are we going to tease it for the next one? Well, well, we'll tease it a little bit for the next <laughs> one. But, like, there's, there's some features about her golf swing that 
I would say the vast majority of golf instructors that I know would be one of the first things they try to fix. Mm. And I didn't realize that this comparison was there till a few weeks ago when I saw a, a former PJ tour players golf swing on TV. I was like, wait a second. That's the golf swing I'm trying to build in Erica. I was like, I wonder what it looks like if I actually compare it frame by frame and it's virtually identical to one of the greats in the game, which is kind of cool. So, but like, yeah. it's not something that would actually fit. So you would go, well, when you change something, one of my favorite things from Hank, this is kind of the follow up, like, how do you know you're swinging the, the club correctly is I like to ask people when they're telling me like, yeah, I'm trying to do this. And so I ask them like, so how does the club know? How does the ball know that? Well, you know, um, you know, I need to drop my right shoulder. Well, how does the ball know that? They're like, well, you know, I hit it more solid. Well, okay, that's too big of a jump. Give me the pieces that go from there to there. And if you can't give me the logical steps from there to there, you're probably not on the right thing. And here's the other thing, too. Uh, you mentioned probably not being on the right thing. What is the sign? If you go and get a golf lesson, whether that's from you or anybody else, what is the sign of a really good teacher and somebody who you might need to rethink going and seeing them because for example just for what you've been saying recently it's been like if they're trying to correct something that's right out of the gate like a, a grip issue or a knee issue or whatever what have you that seems to be a sign of a weaker a weaker teacher who's not trying to see all of the all of the the complex steps in their swing yeah um sidebar we're going to revisit this in a couple of weeks in more detail uh so i need to make a note on that somewhere um, but to give you the basic idea of it, uh, I'll give you two things. If you do the movement correctly and the ball doesn't perform either the way the instructor says it should, or it doesn't improve, because sometimes I'll take somebody through like a hook to get it to straight or take it to a slice to get it straight or take it to fat to get it solid. Like I'll take them through a short 15, 20 minute segment and then get them to the really good stuff. So if the instructor can't predict it, like, hey, when you do this, like, you're probably going to hit them fat here for a little bit. Just hang with me. Then, A, you know that they can't make the connection. That's money right there. That's yep. a big one. Um, the, so the ball flight's the real deal on it. Like, the other one, and this is the tricky one, it's called spontaneous regression when you look at it in um, motor learning technology um, and studies, is... <clears throat> If you've got the swing correctly and you can prove it with video, you can prove it with TrackMan, you can prove it with how good you're hitting it on the driving range, but you go to the golf course and it disappears like immediately or very quickly or just with a little bit of stress on it, you are probably not on the right thing. You're probably actually trying to change a dominant habit in your swing that should have been left alone in the first place. So... Like the really good instructors change it quick and it, it's actually able to carry to the golf course. Now, when you change a habit, there's some level of like mental toughness you have to work in there and try to change it. But I'm saying if it completely goes away and you revert, you're not on it. Love it. Love it. I think that's a great place to end. Um, obviously all swings are unique. And if somebody's trying to build a picture perfect PGA tour golf swing for you, 
I mean, I'd just be a little bit hesitant as if, if that doesn't feel natural and comfortable to you. So I think that's the difference yeah. in finding a really good coach and maybe one that you might need to reconsider is how natural do you feel when you make this movement? How mm. how do you feel? How do you feel like all and your muscles uncom- are working for you or not? It'll be uncomfortable, but after, as you do it, it should start to go, oh, this actually, mm. I feel like I can keep doing this. Yeah, totally. Like, I, can, I can get this. I can do this. Yeah. Love it. Well, we're going to wrap up from here inside the Persimmon Pub here at Franklin Bridge. We're going to try and do these podcasts bi-weekly. So we'll have tw- two times a week, first week of the month, third week of the month, or vice versa. We're still trying to figure that one out, especially as the warmer weather hits. We'll be out on the back porch of Franklin Bridge, too, giving you your regularly scheduled programming. So make sure to pay attention to your Spotify and your Apple Music library. Make sure that you subscribe to us if you haven't already. On Spotify, it's a follow. And now on Apple Music or Apple Podcasts, it's a follow as well. So make sure that you go follow us and leave us a five-star rating if you gained any kind of insightful information to being able to change your golf game or making that next leap in your in your game so from scott and jack inside the persimmon pub here at franklin bridge we'll see you on the next one peace